Boy, the drops that exist on this show. <laughs> it's the Hoffman Show. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Craig Hoffman. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll participate in a Not My Beat. We'll take a big picture look at the National Football League when Eric Eager joins the program, formerly a pro football focus, currently uh, the co-host of the Sumer Sports Podcast. We'll ask him the question we're asking you all right now on the Ace Law Lister line. If the season ended today, the Commanders would have the fourth overall pick in the draft. What direction should they be going with the pick? And I've tap danced around the question for the first hour of the program. I'll answer the question, but I'll say it's subject to change. My answer is definitely subject to change. I'll say this. Based on what I've seen the last three weeks, if Washington is at number four overall and Jaden Daniels is available, I'm probably going to go with Jaden Daniels, and here's why. I kind of said it before the break. You compare Jaden Daniels, the prospect this year coming out of LSU, and you compare Sam Howell, and his profile last year coming out of UNC, Daniels is clearly the better prospect. And because Washington took Sam Howell in the fourth round or the fifth round, he's got next year and the year after that, and then he's a free agent. And you're going to have to either pay him a boatload of money or franchise tag him. With Jaden Daniels, you've got five years of control of this young man. And for my money, based on the physical traits that I think Jaden has better than Sam, you put them in the same system for a year, yeah, right away, Sam might be the better guy. But after a year, year and a half, Jaden clearly is the guy that has more upside. Folks are comparing this young man to Lamar Action Jackson. To do what he did, to be the Heisman frontrunner after running rough shot through the SEC this year, he's got my attention. He's got my attention. Everyone's drooling over Drake May. Miss me with your ACC quarterbacks. I just don't rock with it. But that answer's subject to change because guess what? If Sam Howell turns a corner and gets back on the consistent track here in the final month of the season, I think it'd make a hell of a lot of sense to either trade back or go with one of these star-studded left tackle prospects. 301-230-0980 is the number. Let's go out to Gary's been on hold the longest. Or Ray's been on hold the longest. What's going on, Ray? Hey, Lenell. Hey, um, with the Jaden uh, Daniels prospect, the way I see it is this. If the season ends today and you draft a Jaden Daniels, then you can get greedy. If you think, you know what, we're going to make Jaden Daniels our star quarterback, we're going to try to get something for um, Sam Howell. And if anywhere between, uh, you know, past us to the top 10 pick, if somebody wants, we'll trade Sam Howell for that pick. And if we could, we're going to say, hey, I'll give you Sam Howell for that pick. There is a high chance that we can still get either Joe Alt or Olu. That's how I see it. Or even uh, Latham. Right. You know I appreciate I mean? the call. That would be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. That's buddy. a dream scenario. That's your that's, dream that's scenario. scenario. Okay. Yeah. That, that's how I see it. Does, I mean, does it have to do with. Sense, right? Does it have to do with your thoughts about Sam Howell? Or is this you're just in love with the prospects? It's more of. I think Sam's great. And I think. Like again, with the previous like, couple calls said before, like we need uh, tackles, and tackles are the ones that that make or break uh, quarterbacks. And you know, we've had a few good tackles throughout the year. So you know, Ray, I hear you, man. I appreciate the call. I 
I get it. Because first of all, the one thing that I wanted to throw out to you, Anthony, this is going to be sound kind of crazy. It's not like I'm wishing for the worst, but Olu Fashanu, you know where he's from, don't you? Come on, man. DMV repping. Come on, man. Caleb Williams, you know where he's from, right? You already know DMV repping. Well, you know the last time we took two former DMV guys in the first round, how it ended. Oh, man. Does that, do you have buyer's remorse because of that? Does, does that enter your thought process? Nah, I'm not going to say it, enter my, it, it enters my uh, thought process. I think all of those players are, you know, separate players on their own. And they have their own, yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily look at our past history and say, oh, every, you know, DMV product could never, you know, really come here and pan out. I, I, I wouldn't think like that. I hear it. I hear it. Let's go to Gary. Wants to tap in. Gary, you're feeling the quarterback. I'm feeling the quarterback here because, first of all, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Can you name the left tackle who protected Tom Brady for his six Super Bowls? Can you name the left tackle who protected Troy Aikman for his three Super Bowls? Can you name the left tackle who protected the blind side of John Elway for his two Super Bowls? My point is a great quarterback can win with a non-generational left tackle. You do not need a generational left tackle to win Super Bowls. Agreed. But you do need somewhat of a generational quarterback to win Super Bowls. So my point is, Sam, everyone's feeling for Sam is, is of the belief that he's going to be a top 12, top 13 quarterback. If you think Daniels can be an elite quarterback, then you take the elite quarterback over a middling quarterback and a superior left tackle. Left tackles, you can win with a very above average left tackle, but you very rarely can win with a middling quarterback. And so if you think Daniels, if you scouted him and you think Daniels is one of those guys, you got to take him. Sam Howell has played better than what we thought, but we've seen this before here in Washington. I don't know if you recall, there was a guy named Patrick Ramsey. He <laughs> oh, looked I know. really good. He looked good when for his first year. He looked he looked really good, and I thought Joe Gibbs was crazy for going out and getting Brunel when we had this young quarterback. But he went someplace else, and he never panned out. So I think that you go Daniels. You don't need a generational left tackle to win the Super Bowl. And it's very rare that you can show where a generational left tackle has propped up an average quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So I think history says you go after the quarterback. And what that other caller said about trading um, Sam Howell, if anyone, no one in the world is going to give the Washington <laughs> Commanders a first-round pick for Sam Howell. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, Gary, a first-round so pick is probably you, hyperbolic. I appreciate the call. Yeah, first-round pick is probably ludicrous. If, if they were – some of y'all – Somebody out there interesting. But, no, I, I hear what all of you were saying. The Jaden Daniels thing, and I think the last caller points it out beautifully, it all depends on what this next regime thinks of Jaden Daniels. And just based off what talent evaluators are saying, I don't think the two belong in the same conversation. And that's not a slight to Sam Howell. It's just folks really are high on Jaden Daniels considering what he was able to do this year uh, in the SEC. Let's go out to Eddie. What's going on, Eddie? What's up, man? Man, to answer the last guy's question, the names were Matt Light and Solder, man. That's the left tackle that Brady got protected by. All right? <laughs> so, first of all, we know the names because we right, watch right, football. Right. Second of all, 
Um, second of all, look, man, my, my whole thing has been get the best dude in the draft that will help us in which side of the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys want to get a tackle? That's fine. The dude from Penn State, a baller. The dude from Georgia, a baller. The dude from Alabama, a baller. The dude from Oregon State, baller. Arizona, That's cool. Baller, yeah. But, yeah, but here's the thing. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a generational talent, all right? He is. That's plain and simple. He's going he's gonna to make a team. Now, if you don't want him because of the position, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I want him because he's going to make old boy better. How? Yeah. He will make him better. So why, if, she, if you want to tackle, that's cool. You can find him in the second round. You can find him in the third round. All these great players, all these great tackles, you just have to have an eye for it. You know what I mean? So I want Harrison. I wanted him since after uh, the, we lost to the Giants the first game. Wow. I said, we need to get Marvin Harrison. Yeah. We need to get Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow. You know what I'm saying? If we're in a third or fourth or fourth uh, pick, we can make some moves and go to the second or third. Oh, mm-hmm. so you're oh, you even willing I mean? to trade up for Marvin Harrison. Now, I know he's a dog. I'm not yeah. doubting that at all. The only thing I would say, Eddie, to that is are they going to be able to get him the football? We have good receivers here now. They're not elite, but they're That's good. That's on EB. Well, that's on the enemy. Not I, I, sure I, hear do it. I hear you. Eddie, I appreciate the call as always, my brother. I mean, that's first person to come out and, and bang on the table for Marvin Harrison Jr. I understand it based on Eddie's explanation, but I just think it's just going to be hard to get him the ball. You need probably four starters up front. I'm in the minority because I would roll with Charles Leno next year as my right tackle. If I'm at number four, and I'm bought into Sam Howe. I'm going to take Olu. I'm going to put him at left tackle. I'm going to swing Leno to the right side. I'm going to work from there. Now, this free agent class, you're not going to be able to find a starting tackle in free agency. But you could probably get a starting guard or a starting center. Let's go to Miss Jackie. What's going on, Jackie? How are you? Hey, Linnell, listen. I know what the guy before me just said about <laughs> Marvin Harrison, but the Bears is taking him. The yeah. Bears, if they're smart, yeah. they're taking him. So we need to go ahead and go O-lineman with all. We need to get him. There, there are a lot of, of good O-lineman out coming out this year. But I don't know if everybody's been watching, but we don't have linebackers either. So <laughs> my next pick will be Jeremiah Trotter, Jr. Like, yeah. for real. Like, Jeremiah Trotter, Jr., he's going to be better than his dad was. That's the problem. And I don't know who all watch college football like I do, but – that would be my next pick, but I, 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 me personally, I don't want to get a quarterback right now. I just think yeah. we got to put the pieces around Sam Howell. Let this dude do what he do best. Get him some protection. We got receivers. Let's just get another good tight end, and let's do yeah. what we do. Thanks, Anil, for taking my call. Jackie, I appreciate it. The one thing I will say to everyone that wants to tackle because you think you got to build around the quarterback you got to insulate the roster around the quarterback. I hear that, and I, I'm of that mindset as well. But the other side of that is there's no, to me, guarantee that if you take one of these tackle prospects, there's no guarantee that they're going to be your next left tackle for the next 10, 15 years. I just think if you have a guy at quarterback that you love, it doesn't matter what your needs say. Because guess what? You can improve the offensive line and good quarterback play, as we've seen it, helps out the offensive line. Joe Burrow, his second year, when he led Cincinnati to the Super Bowl, was the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. So there's that. 
Good quarterbacks avoid pressure, which is why I'm still not sold on Sam Howell. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll be joined by our pal Eric Eager, the co-host of the Sumer Sports Podcast with former Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov. We'll take a big picture look at the National Football League, and we'll ask him the same question we just asked you guys. Washington slated to pick number four in next April's draft. If the season ended today, which direction should the team go? We'll ask Eric Eager that next here on the Team 980. Welcome back. It's the Hoffman Show, Team 980, always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 7 o'clock tonight. Right now, though, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline. That's where we find our pal Eric Eager. He'll join us in Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Thank you, big voice man. We now bring in our pal Eric Eager, the VP of Sumer Sports. Make sure you check out the best analytics working in the game at SumerSports.com. Make sure you check out the Sumer Sports podcast with Eric and former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov. You can give Eric a follow on Twitter at EricEager underscore. What's going on, Double E? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun year. I can't believe we're at week 14 already. I know. I know. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, you made some headlines here locally about a month, month and a half ago about your comments about Washington's quarterback, Sam Howell, saying that you think he's probably at best a backup. About a month has passed since you made that statement with three or four games left to go in the season here for D.C. How do you feel about slinging Sammy Howell? Well, the first thing is I don't think I like I, – I didn't mean it in sort of a derogatory way. I feel like you know Howell was playing pretty good football and – I, I felt like a fifth round pick who's kind of, you know, limited a little, a little bit physically and uh, all that stuff. Like I was just kind of laying out expectations to be quite honest. He he's done better, I think, since I made those comments. And so, yeah. you know, I think that I think he's still probably destined to have more of a Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett type of kind of uh, existence in the NFL. But um, with quarterback play down uh, and with Washington willing to give him a whole season's worth of reps, of course, um, you know, you see a lot of good. I mean, the, the arm strength when he, when he can step into it, um, you know, his ability to move, uh, you know, the two rushing touchdowns last week. Um, but it's hard to win football games when you lead the NFL in interceptions and sacks taken, right? So yeah. I, I think that there's good and there's bad. I think that he'll get opportunities to start in the NFL for a while. Um, but, you know, and he's probably better than Taylor Heineke, who was the quarterback for the most, most of last year for Washington. Um, But, but how, by how much is a, is a good question. And I think that's what the next month is for here in DC, Eric, is to find that out what this young man's ceiling could possibly be. I did a poll on Twitter on Tuesday night and I, I phrased it like this, Eric. I said, if Washington is able to bolster their offensive line this summer, and add him another dynamic playmaker on the perimeter. What do we think Sam Howe's eventual ceiling could be? And I'll flip it around and ask you the same question, Eric. In the best-case scenario where Washington does have a a top half of the league offensive line and they do uh, have another playmaker out on the perimeter, if the, the settings around Sam Howe are ideal, what do you think the ceiling is for this young man? I know it's a dangerous question to ask. Yeah, I think... Like whatever, I mean, look at like Kirk Cousins. Like I think Kirk Cousins, and I know that that's like kind of a 
a lightning rod figure in the area. But, like, I think Kirk Cousins is a top, you know, at his ceiling, probably a top eight quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, in Minnesota, he's had, you know, two Pro Bowl caliber tackles in Brian O'Neill and Kristen Darrisaw. He has, you know, probably the league's best wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. And when they were struggling last year, they went and got him TJ Hawkinson, who's one of the best receiving tight ends in all of football. They draft Jordan Addison out of first rounder out of USC in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Kirk was doing pretty well. I mean, really performing well before the Achilles injury. Uh, I think that that's kind of the, the ceiling for Howell. Now that I think the question, if you're Washington from a team building standpoint Mm -hmm. is by the time you get to next year, you, he's still cheap for sure. Um, and you, you got rid of Montez Sweat before paying him. You got rid of Chase Young before paying him. So there's going to be some money. The question is, is if you spend all that money on wide receivers or offensive linemen and, and draft capital, you know, at some point, Howell, if Howell performs under those circumstances, mm-hmm. he's going to have to make the money. And if he performs under those circumstances, like his agent's going to look at Daniel Jones's contract or whatever Jordan Love's contract is going to be now uh, with Green Bay. And that's going to be by the time, you know, you get to year three or four with him, that's a $45, $50 million price tag to be the quarterback. And so a lot of the questions about can you support him become harder when he's making that much money. And I think so now obviously is the time to do it, but you always have to wonder is like, that the, you know, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz is and all those guys back right. and like that did really well with great support. And then once they got the big deal, they faltered that that's really, I think where I, I look at him and I say, mm-hmm. can he be the guy who you build the team around when he makes a lot of money? Eric, I think you bring a very interesting perspective with that because I think it's very clear, right? Right now he doesn't have the supporting cast around him and he's not consistently elevating the other guys around him. It's an interesting team-building you know, philosophy that they're going to have to you know, acquire here moving forward. Whoever comes in here and is the next general manager, Eric, the question is going to be, if they're at pick number four, is how much do you love Sam Howell? Because before you came on, we were looking at you know, mock drafts and CBSSports.com as Washington going with Jaden Daniels at number four overall. When you consider that you'll have five years of control of Jaden Daniels compared to two of just Sam, does it make sense to hit the reset button at quarterback despite what Sam Howell does down the stretch? Well, I think what Sam Howell has given Washington, all his limitations aside, is exactly what, like, and I know this is another former Washington quarterback, what Alex Smith gave Kansas City all those years, right? Like the Chiefs were in on the Paxton Lynch. They were in on Johnny Manziel and like they were, but they had Alex Smith there. And so they never had to, go overboard with the offers, right? They never, they, they quote, lost the trade for Paxton Lynch. They lost the trade for Johnny Manziel. And ultimately they ended up winning because they were not the ones that had to, to do it. And so when, when you say Jaden Daniels, now my boss, Thomas Dimitrov, who, who drafted Matt Ryan third overall in 2008, uh, he likes Jaden Daniel a lot. I think at four, that's a little rich for my blood. And so uh, I, I think Sam Howell gives Washington an incredible opportunity to only draft the quarterback like only draft the quarterback that the regime is 100% sold on because as we saw in in Carolina with David Tepper um if even if the owner is 100% on the quarterback but the rest of the coaching staff is like eh I, I could you know I could take it or leave it I could you know I I have some doubts we see how bad that can go so 
I think what Sam Howell gives the commanders is a competent quarterback to bridge the gap between the next guy and what he, what he gives them is the, is the license not to be desperate about the quarterback that they choose to be the, the real franchise guy. And again, mm-hmm. uh, I think Howell could certainly be that guy. I just don't, I wouldn't bet on it. And so, but to give him some of his flowers, I think he's the guy that like, if they end up having to overdraft a guy at four, maybe they'll trade back and maybe get the guy at six or seven or whatever. Um, Howell gives them the the option to do that. They're not desperate for a quarterback the same way that teams like, you know, if, if Sam Howell or Zach Wilson or yeah. something like that. So I got another interesting scenario for you, Eric, that involves the quarterback position. The Chicago Bears right now currently slated to pick number one overall. If you were in that front office, if you're Ryan Poles and you're a member of that brass, is your decision already made up on whether you're going to go quarterback or do you give just in this final month to say, you know what, man? If you can just show some sort of flash to make us believe that it's better to just build around you, then we'll do it. But what do you think ends up happening on Chicago? Good question. I think that they go with fields for another year, even if they draft the next guy. Okay. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I mean, like Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers come to mind, right? Mm -hmm. Where Brees was very much on the outs, but they went with Rivers. Rivers held out of training camp. And so Brees held on to the job for two years and was pretty damn good for them. Um, you know, you, you see other examples of that. The problem with fields is he just doesn't check enough boxes. He doesn't stay healthy for the whole season, which you really need if you're going to have, you know, a young quarterback, uh, or a quarterback on veteran money, right? Cause mm-hmm. if, if, if they stay with him, they got to give him an extension at some point. Uh, if you're going to forego the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams or Drake may, um, and I don't think he stays healthy enough for that contract. Um, he hasn't been consistent enough. He's had great games. Uh, you know, like the one against Washington. He's had great games like the one against Detroit and and, and Denver, but it's not consistent enough. And so to me, I just think that, you know, they do have to move on from him. And, you know, if he ends up surprising you and, and outplaying Caleb Williams or Drake May, great, right? Then you can get, you, you have a lot of optionality there as Green Bay did with Aaron Rodgers, right? After they, they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers gave him two MVP seasons. And now, you know, they had a, a good problem to have, right? I think that sure. uh, at best, Fields is maybe a bridge to the next guy um, just because he hasn't, in my opinion, shown enough to get that contract because that contract is going to be $40 million a year plus, and yep. that's a lot of money to give to a guy that you, don't, you can't rely on. 110%, my man. We're joined right now by our pal Eric Eager, the VP of Sumer Sports. He's also the co-host of the Sumer Sports podcast with former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov. Make sure you give Eric a follow on Twitter at EricEager underscore. I want to look at the big story from today, man. The, our, our guy Tyler Dunn has done some <laughs> interesting reporting, and apparently there is trouble in paradise with the Buffalo Bills, uh, specifically with head coach Sean McDermott. When you look at the Bills as a whole, Eric, and they're, what, 6-6 six and six right now, and middling team, it seems like, that have really you know not met expectations what do you foresee happening with this group in the final month of the season? Because their schedule down the stretch is brutal. Yeah, they play Kansas City this week. A lot of sharp money, though, on the Bills. They were plus three. Now it's, I think, plus one, plus one and a half. So um, people are buying in. They're, they have really good underlying metrics. But as you said, they haven't been able to uh, get over the hump in, in close games. Um, I, I Going into the year, I picked Buffalo and Detroit to make the Super Bowl. Um hmm. I, I, I think I mistake, you know, mistook the Bills. I think yeah. the Bills, I thought that they were going to be the Dungy Colts, right, where they had gotten so close, and yeah. then one year they finally get over the hump, 
after everybody had written them off. They could still do that. I mean, a late buy is actually a really good thing uh, if you're looking at Super Bowl odds and stuff like that. But the, the there's a really good chance they're actually the Dungy Bucks, right, where <laughs> they're a good team. McDermott pulled them up from their bootstraps the way that Dungy did the Bucks. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of older, a lot of established players, and the message might be getting stale. And that doesn't mean that McDermott's a bad coach. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy or whatever. Um, but it does mean that sometimes you got to bring a guy in to, to get the team over the hump and to change the story a little bit, the way that Gruden did in Tampa. So uh, I, I think Buffalo's probably still going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a tough out, uh, probably the best seven seed we're ever going to see. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but I, just, I, I think that there's probably going to be a change in Buffalo um, just because, uh, you know, not because I think McDermott's a bad coach, but sometimes – you know, they're they're it, you know Andy Reid in Philadelphia, same yeah. thing. Like sometimes a great coach just needs to move on. Let's keep things in the great state of New York. The New York Giants, interesting situation as they get prepared for their offseason. I believe if the season ended today, the Giants would have the sixth or seventh pick overall. Uh, we know the Italian stallion Tommy DeVito has come in and became the darling of New York here the past couple of weeks. When they go into the offseason. Do you expect any changes from Giants ownership? We know the the reported friction between Wink Martindale and Brian Dable. What do you what do you think ends up happening in New York as they get geared up for the offseason? Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? Because a lot of these you saw it in Carolina where you put a super staff together. Yeah. Giro Evero, you know, Frank Wright, guys who are not from the same clique, if that makes sense. Right. Then, you know, you get te- you get tension uh, all the way back to Buddy Ryan and uh, Kevin Gilbride fighting each <laughs> other on the sideline back in the Oilers days. Like, it, it's not and, – and at the same time, I think, like, my boss, Thomas Dimitrov, mm-hmm. would tell you, you don't just want to hire a coach's Myrmidons either because, you know, then you get some, you know, coaches who aren't pulling their weight either. So it's a tough thing, man, and and, and – building staff, building teams, it's not easy. And, you know, Martindale is a very opinionated guy. He's, he's had success in the league, so I can understand him standing up for himself. Uh, and Dable, as we've seen, um, very good coordinator in Buffalo, very good first year, but he's kind of a hothead, right? We've seen him on the yeah. sideline. And, and so uh, they got to get that figured out. They got to get, a, you know, what do they, do they support Daniel Jones? Do they move on from Daniel Jones? Do they, uh, you know, let Daniel Jones be the bridge to the next guy? There's all these really interesting questions. And to your point, like if the culture in the building uh, isn't squared away, yeah. then that can be really tough. So uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in what the Giants do, especially when you look at the rest of that division, to your point, where the commanders are probably in a better position than they are starting over a little bit, but yeah. a lot of moving pieces and obviously Philadelphia and Dallas are two teams that are incredibly well-run franchises uh, that are, are going to be hard to top. You mentioned Philly and Dallas. They take on each other this Sunday in the rubber match. Philly obviously got dominated last weekend by the San Francisco 49ers. Who do you think wins Sunday? And then in the scenario that Philadelphia loses, would you be sounding the alarm uh, in Philly? Um, you know, Philly's been – Philly's trailed – the last five half times uh, in their game. <laughs> so it, it's been like, I think if you weren't sounding the alarm, it was probably, you know, you're and, and granted, like it's tough to win in the NFL. So good on them for going four and one in those games. Right. Um, but you know, I, I agree with the point spread here that has Dallas favored by a field goal or three and a half, depending upon the book. Like I think Dallas should, should win this football game. Uh, I don't think it's going to cause any soul searching in Philadelphia. Um, but I do think like Dallas is about as good of a team as Philly. I mean, they went in there about a month ago 
and probably should have won that game outright and uh, you know didn't because of some really shoddy play calling at the end, and they almost lost to San- uh, Seattle the other day yeah. uh, because of some weird play calling at the end. I think McCarthy's a good coach overall, but there are some weird things that happen there. So this is a very highly tested conv- division. I think Dallas pulls uh, within a game here, uh, and I think it will make for a fun uh, stretch run. Yes, it is, Eric. Going to be a tight run down the stretch in the NFC East. We'll talk to you down the line, my, my friend. Appreciate you giving us some time. Hey, thanks for having me on. Take care. That is Eric Eager, ladies and gentlemen, the VP of Sumasports.com. Really good analytics tool. Eric, formerly a pro football focus, so he's a numbers nerd at heart. You hear he's now teamed up with former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, and that's uh, it's a very interesting outlook at the big-picture look of the National Football League. Big-time games coming up on Sunday. We got Chiefs, Bills, as well as Cowboys and Eagles. When we get back... Let's sort out who are the contenders and who are the pretenders in the National Football League as we do every Thursday here on the Hoffman Show. We'll give our NFL tiers next. Segment, if you missed any of my conversation with Eric, download the always free Odyssey app. Use the Odyssey Rewind feature and go back to the 515 segment for my conversation with Eric Eager. We touched on a number of different things. He's got a pretty bombshell take about Sam Howe. Once again, every time Eric Eager does radio in D.C., he gets clipped off. And he makes headlines for us. This is a smart dude. He works hand-in-hand on a day-to-day basis with Thomas Dimitrov, damn good general manager, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. And it's always interesting to get Eric's take. He made the rounds about a month and a half ago saying that, you know, he thinks Sam Howell as a backup quarterback or a high-end backup at best. And a lot of people were beside themselves. And I think the reason people were so upset about the comment is because it was right after Sam Howell had played really well. And I used the analogy yesterday. It's just something we're all guilty of, and I'm guilty of it my damn self. We wear the Ashburn goggles, as I like to call them. We inflate our own talent. We think our guys are better than what they actually are. And when I say we, I'm talking about myself as well. I'm a fan just like you guys are. And I have been guilty in the past of hyping a guy up just because he's in burgundy and gold. And I don't mean to get personal with this, but let's use Cam Curl for an example. There were folks hollering for Cam Curl to be a top three paid safety in the National Football League. Cam Curl is a hell of a story. Seventh round pick that turns into a starter and is one of the captains of your defense. Hell of a story talking about Cam Curl. But let's be honest. He's not a top five safety. He's not a top three safety. But the Ashburn goggles makes us view him a lot better than what he actually is. Terry McLaurin paid as the eighth highest receiver in the National Football League. It's pretty clear Terry McLaurin's not a top ten wide receiver. But the Ashburn goggles... Lends us to look at him as such. See what I'm saying? We got a bad habit of doing that. I'm guilty of it as well. Where it originated from, you're probably wondering, huh? Ashburn goggles? It's the same thing as the Bethany goggles. I was in college in Bethany, West Virginia. The sticks. Wasn't lucky, like Craig and Anthony, to go to big Syracuse and have all the women at your disposal that you could possibly have. But Bethany, West Virginia was the sticks. They weren't the most attractive females on our campus. 
So sometimes, man, you had to take a shot at E&J and put on your Bethany goggles, man. A six in Bethany is an eight. A Bethany eight is a, is a, is a Maryland 10. See what I'm saying? It's hard to do, and we do it with our football team out here locally as well. I know it's a Thursday here on the Hoffman Show, Anthony Haney. So you and Craig Hoffman, each and every week, go through your tiers of National Football League teams. And I knew I was filling in for Craig today. So what did I do? I met with the committee last night, Anthony. We're burning the midnight oil, drinking black coffee, up to the wee hours of the morning, trying to figure out how we are going to tier each team in the National Football League. And Anthony, as I pull out, as I pull out my, my handy dandy sheet that me and the committee were working on this morning, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different tiers of NFL teams. So you can kick us off here, because this is something that y'all do, and I'm just a guest here this afternoon. You can kick it off. You can give your tiers, you and Craig's tiers, and we'll stack them up against mine. Let's do it. <sighs> Man, my God, Linnell. So we have four <laughs> tiers. You know, six is a little ex- excessive. I think it's eight I have. Oh, but... eight. My bad. Oh, even worse. <laughs> even worse. I know. <laughs> even worse. Good gracious. Come on, man. All right. So we have four. You know, four simplified tiers. Mm-hmm. One, who are the prime contenders? Mm-hmm. Who legitimately have a shot to go out there and win it today? Then, Like any other, you know, sporting event, Mm -hmm. somebody has a puncher's chance. Yes. That is the second tier. Who has a puncher's chance? Who would you not be surprised if they went on a run in the playoffs this year? Then our third tier is interesting, but mm, quite not good enough. Just not going to cut it. You know, the commanders were there for quite some time, but they have been bumped down to our last tier. No chance. Shout out to my man, Vince McMahon. No chance in hell. That is our wow. last tier. All right, so do you want to first give your teams or should I give my tiers? I would love to hear your tiers. Oh. I'll give you my teams as well. I'll give you my teams okay, as well. Okay, yeah, give me that. My first tier is what I'm going to call the teams that are making reservations for Vegas. When the oh, Super wow. Bowl is going to be played at this year. I got five teams in this tier. Mm. The Baltimore Ravens. Yep. The Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys. Okay. The Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. And Brock Purdy's Niners. Ooh. So those are my five teams that I think should be making reservations for Vegas because these are the teams that I think have the best shot of representing their respective conference in the Super Bowl. Got Ravens, it. Eagles, Chiefs, Niners, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. My second tier, consistently inconsistent. Teams that... We think are good some weeks, and then other weeks they show you they're just not that good. The Detroit Lions, probably the poster child for consistently inconsistent. When you lose on Thanksgiving against the Packers at home, when you get mollywopped by the Baltimore Ravens, it's hard for me to look at you seriously. So they're in consistently inconsistent. It's Lions, Jaguars, who are here because of their quarterback injury. We'll get to that a little bit later. The Dolphins, who would just whoop Washington. Buffalo, who we just heard from Eric Eager, he's not too high on the Bills. And then the Seahawks. All five of those teams, I think, have been consistently inconsistent. Back in August when we were putting together our power rankings, all of these teams were probably in most folks' top ten because they're damn good teams. It's just they're missing a little bit something. Now, this next tier, I feel bad for saying it. I feel bad for doing it, but it's just the fact of the situation. Five teams in this particular tier, and it's titled 
man, only if we had a good enough backup quarterback. Mm. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett's on the shelf. The Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson's on the shelf. Minnesota, our cousin Kirk, blew out his Achilles. The Bengals, Jake Browning now, is a bad mother, shut your mouth. And then the New York Jets come in. Now, the Jets almost didn't make this tier because what Robert Salah is doing and what Robert Salah did to the Jets' locker room is a fireable offense. They were in the thick of the playoff race the first month, month and a half of the season, yet he refused to go out and get an actual backup quarterback, and that's why they're in this situation right now. My next tier, four teams that are making lemonade out of lemons, teams that are probably exceeding expectations and punching above their weight class. The Houston Texans making lemons out of lemonade. C.J. Stroud is an MVP candidate for me. I think if you go back to my Twitter page, I quote tweet my tweet from August every week. I called the Houston Texans being one of the front runners in the AFC South. And I also knew that C.J. Stroud was going to be the best rookie quarterback. He was my number one rookie uh, prospect dating all the way back to like March. But the Texans are making lemonade out of lemons because their roster stinks. They're probably the most injured team to a man in the National Football League. Yet each and every week, they are right there in the thick of it. Right now, I believe, what are they, 7-5? and five? Yep. Currently on the outside looking into the AFC playoff picture. But I think based on their schedule down the stretch, it's a cupcake walk. They may win the AFC South over Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Another team making lemonade out of lemons, Sean McVay and the Rams, man. The Rams playing good ball. Matt Stafford has kind of revitalized himself. They got this kid, Puka Nakua, who was out there just routing folks up. I want to talk about Raheem Morris and their defense, though, man. What the Rams are doing defensively with Aaron Donald and a bunch of no-names is absolutely impressive. They've been competitive in every game this season. The Rams are going to be a team moving forward where we're like, you know what? They get a couple of pieces here and there. They'll always be competitive because of their head coach. Another team making lemonade out of lemons. The Denver Broncos. Remember the narrative surrounding Denver this offseason? Wow, Russell Wilson, the worst contract in football. Sean Payton couldn't stop running his mouth. And then we looked at them at the start of the season. Miami hung 70 points on them. People thought this was going to be one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Well, fast forward to the month of December, first week of December. And the Denver Broncos are 6-6. and right in the thick of the AFC playoff picture. And when you look at their schedule down the stretch, talking about Denver, they finish up. They got the Chargers this week. They go at Detroit, home for New England, home for the Chargers, and then they finish at the Raiders. They maybe could still sneak into the postseason, so don't give up on Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Another team making lemonade out of lemons, Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers. Do you love somebody out there, folks? Jordan Love. Playing as good as any young quarterback in the National Football League, he leads the NFL in games with three-plus touchdowns and zero interceptions. What did Lil Wayne say, Anthony Haney? I love. Joy Love <laughs> telling Packers fans, you need to love me. He's playing good football. The final team in this tier, the Las Vegas Raiders, making lemonade out of lemons. They stink. Their roster's not good, but they're competitive all of a sudden because of Antonio Pierce. So they're making lemonade out of lemons. The next tier is if my division didn't exist, I'd be irrelevant. That's the NFC South. Bucks, Saints, Falcons. We don't really need to do an explanation on these teams. One of these three bums will be hosting a playoff game, and the league is worse off because of it. The next tier is you just wait until next year. I tell you, you just wait until next year. The Cardinals with Kyler Murray coming back, they end up with a number two overall pick. They're going to be a damn good team next year. 
The Giants getting Danny Dimes back in. They'll get healthy around him. I still don't know if they'll be good. The Commanders wait until next year. They could have they got $90 million in cap space, five picks in the top 100. They're destined to improve. The Panthers, year two of Bryce Young, they got to be better than what they are now. And then the Chargers. Justin Herbert's coming back, maybe getting coached by Ben Johnson next year, depending on what happens with Brandon Staley. But they finish out my just wait until next year tier. And then coasting for Caleb is what I call this tier. The Patriots, the Bears, and the Titans, all teams that could really, really use Caleb Williams. And then in NFL's hell, the Carolina Panthers. They're waiting for next year, but they're also in NFL hell because odds are Bryce Young isn't going to be the guy. Those are my tiers. All 32 teams ranked. This isn't a power ranking system. This is just the tiers of the National Football League teams, Anthony Haney. There it goes. Do you have any glaring disappointments in my list? <clears throat> uh, Anything that doesn't make sense to you? No, nah, I think it all makes sense, but I feel as though the purpose for our tiers mm-hmm. is to more so see how teams move up and down. Through the year. Y- you know, throughout the you. year. I hear you. And I feel like your list is just a list. <laughs> it's a list. Yeah, it's a list. It's a damn like, good list, but I'm, it's a list. Exactly. So now I need some power rankings, though, Unel. I Give it to like, me. Like you had the Jets in your third tier. I'm like, why are we mentioning the Jets? The Jets, you know where they are in our, in our uh, tiers? Where are they? No chance in hell because guess what? They can't they don't do anything. I hear you. Offensively, they stink. Defense, they're doing as best as they can, but it's only so much of you out there on the field 90% of the game. If I'm going to go through they had a good enough backup. our tiers right here. Let me see if you Let's have any problems. So right now, in our prime contenders uh, tier, we have the Miami Dolphins. Blech. I have the San Francisco 49ers. I, I give it to you. The Chiefs. Yeah. The Eagles. Yeah. The Ravens. The Ravens. And how about them Cowboys? You have to have the Cowboys in this list. Exactly. But you don't seem to like the Dolphins as no, a I don't. prime contender. I understand they have not. They don't have one good, you know, solid quality win. They don't, and that's all I need to – you can literally stop it right there. Who have they beat? They haven't beat anybody. And then when they do play good teams, the Bills 48-20. to 20, Okay. What a- Philly 31-17. to, to 17. What am I supposed to do? They're not good. They're, with, they're like – you know what? I was going to make a private school reference, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I want to ruffle any feathers. They're just soft to me is how I would describe Miami. They're all finesse. They're all bark, no bite. I think now that they have Jalen Ramsey back, yes. they're getting some guys healthy. I think the defense is going to continue to play as well as they've been playing. They'll get better. And then the offense. Tua had some, you know, not every game is going to be perfect. When they played the Chiefs, that that was an ugly was game ugly on, both exa- sides. on both sides. On both so, sides. I think when it comes down to it, playoff football, I think Tua, he's going to be at his best. They also got A-Chan back. I mean, they, they're getting healthy at the right time, and I understand I we want to see, a, see them with a quality win, and I think it's coming. Down to our, ne- <laughs> down to our next tier. We, have the, we got the Lions, yeah. uh, and this is punch of chance. We have punch the Lions, okay. the Bills, mm-hmm. the Jags, question mark, because we don't know how long Trevor Lawrence is going to be out. Correct. Uh, the Texans have moved up to uh, puncher's chance. Puncher's chance at what? They got a chance, man. I, I, I I'm like the biggest Texans back in also, there is. Also, Tank Dell just got hurt, though. Exactly. So I don't know. I'm going to reassess this weapon. with Craig tomorrow because that injury 
is a very pivotal nasty. injury. It's nasty. And then also the Steelers, we had to move up, but we might have to end up moving them down. The I Steelers agree. Are so fraudulent. They are. They are. They are indeed. They cost me money every. But they've too, been but. winning games. They just lost to the Cards. That's a terrible loss. And guess who picked them? I picked Arizona in that game. Well, wow. I need to start picking games with y'all. First of all, the last time you picked games with us, I you did. you I had know. the worst record. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that a whole year ago? Yes. All right then. I'm getting uh, older so and wiser. Since. Okay. I'm older and wiser, baby. Come on, man. Uh, quickly running through the last yeah. two tiers. Interesting, but quite not good enough. We got the Falcons. We got the Seahawks. We got the Bucks. The Saints, Chargers, Indy, Green Bay, Minnesota, the Bengals, Browns, Broncos, and the Rams. What is your discrimination about the Pacific Northwest? Why are the Seahawks not in the puncher's chance category, but the Jags are? Yes, because the Jags have been playing. Their defense have been super opportunistic all season long. Did you just all we're doing is waiting for the offense to catch up to the Jags. They've wow. won games. Yes, they wow. just but also, Liddell, this is last year. I mean last week. This last me, week, okay. Yeah. Me and Craig, we haven't, you know, modified if this it moved list at all. People around, there's yeah. some movement that needs to go on. I, I think there's gonna be some movement tomorrow. About to say, man. I, I think there's gonna be some movement. The Seahawks, after they almost beat Dallas. Yeah, but almost don't mean nothing. The commanders almost beat the, the Eagles two times. What does that mean? True. So Noble. Tweets at me and says, you say the Dolphins haven't beat anyone. Who have the Cowboys beaten? The Cowboys almost beat the Eagles. No, it, ah, it don't matter about almost no almost. Beat the Eagles. Exa- that's a it great matters. point. That is a great point because the Cowboys point. haven't beat anybody That is a good point. I think they beat the Eagles this weekend, though. We'll see. Yeah. I like Dallas as well. Last one, no chance in hell. We got the Panthers, Cardinals, Giants, yeah. Patriots, Tennessee Titans, Whew. the Raiders, the Jets, and how about the left hand up people, the Commanders? <laughs> Yeah, it stinks that we're it stinks that we're there. Yeah. It does think that we're there. Not the life we deserve, man. It's not the life we deserve. Those are our NFL tiers, though. I can't wait to listen to you and Craig tomorrow to hear where you guys move teams. Oh, we're moving injury, some people. The we're, injury situation has clouded the playoff. They're field, stacking man. up. They're stacking up left and right. Stacking up. They're stacking up. And I think the the importance mm-hmm. of a backup quarterback Oh, it's huge. It's huge. So it, yes. I think this is something you can also talk about. If the commanders were to trade Sam Howell, what would his value be? Like, what 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 pick will we get if we were to that's go the, the the quarterback route? But hey, that's for another another day. show, another time. I know we have to hit the break here, but you just sparked an idea upon me. I think the NFL, because of all the injuries that we've had at quarterback this year, they need to make trading for a quarterback something you can do all year long. I don't think the trade deadline should. The trade deadline should exclude quarterbacks. You should be able to trade for a quarterback at any point in the year. Because don't you think Jacoby would be on the team right now? Someone would trade for Jacoby. Washington would then acquire assets. Now, you you, you can't just do it for one position, though. What, it's the most important position in the sport. You, you they, can't they do change it. change the game day actives well, and actives for quarterbacks. Well, guess what? Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Final hour of power coming up here on the Hoffman Show. We're going to get serious here for a second because there's a certain fat boy – It's got some very evil things to say about Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes moving forward. Final hour of power here on the Hoffman Show. Next.